let's, uh, let's finish up Romans 8. Uh, Father, today, as we talk about your love, uh, we want to be enamored by it. Father, as we think about all of our struggles with feeling loved and giving love, uh, Lord, would today uh, be an encouragement that we would leave here knowing how much you love us, uh, what, how we are supposed to receive that love, and then how to respond. Lord, this season um, is really important as a time of reflection. Uh, we get to spend a lot of time with people. We get some downtime. Uh, we get to give gifts. Um, we get to receive gifts. Uh, Lord, would you use this time in our hearts uh, just to help us uh, take a breath, uh, remember who we are in you, Father, and as we near the new year, Lord, look forward in hope uh, that we can uh, finally uh, be the people uh, that you have called us to be. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. All right. So um, we are right at the very end uh, of Romans chapter 8, and we've been messing with that um, all semester. And so we, um, it's been good time spent in his word. What we're, Our topic today is going to be um, God's love. And so last week we talked... Um, we talked about that in the uh, context of um, how uh, there's nothing that can separate us. And so this week we want to uh, kind of continue that conversation, but end in a good spot so that, again, we can continue to assess, right, where we are um, with uh, this idea. One of the last uh, questions or uh, kind of comments I made uh, is, a, is a quote from a, a book uh, called Gentle and Lowly. And anybody read that book or have it but haven't read it or want to read it? <laughs> Nobody? All right, there's this book called Gentle and Lowly. Uh, it's really, really good. It talks, about, um, it talks about God's heart, right? That his heart is gentle and lowly. And so we, um, we often have a particular picture uh, about what God's heart is. Uh, we also have a picture about um, how much God loves us, depending upon how uh, we're doing that week. Um, any of you uh, vacillate in your relationships uh, uh, when you're thinking about how somebody feels about you at any given time? Anybody? Yep. Okay. The rest of you are like, man, I just, everyone feels about me the exact same way all the time. And it feels good, right? So, um, but this is one of my favorite quotes from the book. I want to start with this, and then we'll get into our passage. Uh, the author, Dane Ortland says, oh, Christ has not come to mend wounded people or wake sleepy people or advise confused people or inspire bored people or spur on lazy people or, or educate ignorant people, but to raise dead people. And so the idea here is that um, so many times we think that the only thing that's wrong in our life is like, well, if I could just fix just this or just that, or if he could help me do um, this, that, or the other, right, then, then my life will be fine. And yet in the midst of that, right, kind of a, a, our daily lot is uh, struggling with kind of emotionally how people feel about us any given time. If I don't do good enough on the test, and, I, and maybe I have to maybe have a conversation with my parents about it, that I think that they're going to think less of me and, and, and assume, right, that I'm going to assume that they love me less somehow. Or, or if, I don't, uh, if I don't hold up my end of the bargain, right, in a relationship, that they're going to be less likely to continue to put up with me, <laughs> right, as, I, as I'm not perfect. Or that as things, trials and tribulations and things that I didn't want to happen, happen in my life, I tend to think, well, if God loved me, he wouldn't let those things happen. Amen? And so over and over and over again, we're faced with 
this, well, I'm, I'm not measuring up. I don't know if God loves me. I've got to, I, well, I read my Bible three times this week. Maybe he loves me more this week than he did last week because I only read it two times last week. And then the week before that, none. So I'm trying to make up, make up for that love. Anybody feel like that? Yeah. I do as well. And so when we read that, we, wanna, we want to, um, or when we hear that, that quote, we want to be reminded of what God needs, uh, has come to do in our life. Right, is to raise up what was dead, to bring us new life. And so part of that is accepting his love and understanding, and understanding how we're loved. And so let's look at our um, passage real quick. Romans 8, um, 36 through 39. So just that is is written, for your sakes we are put, being put to death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So the first thing I want you to think about as we look at this uh, scripture, as um, he is quoting a psalm here in uh, verse 36, but in 37 he says, But in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer. Sometimes our attitude is pretty defeatist, isn't it? Particularly as Christians, right? We feel like, well, we are the minority in the world, right? Every, we're just trying to keep our nose down. <laughs> Nobody noticed me. And yet God is painting a very different picture that as, as life throws us whatever it may throw us, he's saying that you are more than conquerors, overcomers, victors, right, is actually the, the word here. The Greek word for Nike, right, is victory. It's the same word used here, right? We are overcomers, we are victors, conquerors in Christ Jesus. And so a lot of times, though, that, finds on, that falls on deaf ears because we don't feel like conquerors, do we? We don't know what to do with that. Great, I'm victorious in Christ, but what about today, right? I don't feel loved today for whatever reason. And so let's look at this, this last passage, and this is what we're going to uh, walk through or for a few minutes this morning, or this afternoon. So see verse 38. So where this, where this idea of being conquerors comes from, it says it comes from him being convinced. Are there people in your life, and we have to, we have to go kind of this route before we get to God, because if we can't be convinced with people that we see, Right? It's going to be more difficult with our relationship with the Lord. But what's it going to take, what does it take for you to be convinced of someone's love for you? So I'll talk about this kind of in the abstract. So turn to a person next to you. What does it take for you to be convinced that someone loves you? Okay? Go ahead. Discuss. What would it take for someone to convince you? So people have told, told you all sorts of things, right? And sometimes you're like, okay, I accept that. I tell Walter all the time, Walter, you're my favorite pickup basketball player. I say this constantly, right? But is he convinced, right? No matter how many times I say it. What would it take, what does it take for you to be convinced? Popcorn around. 
Consistency. What is that? Uh, in what? Love it. All right, keep it coming. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So even it's like it's nice. That's nice. Thank you very much. But like that isn't much. I need some. I need something more. I need action. Okay. Somebody else. Okay. Meaning not just hey, as it's convenient. Hey, I'm driving by, I'll give you a ride. Well, can you drive two, will you drive two hours to give me a ride? No, right? So what, um, what Andy's talking about, so my favorite uh, definition of love, right, is to be for someone, okay, to be for someone like over and against yourself, right? So showing love, right, would be an action so that you are for someone, so if I love Matthew, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be for him in all the ways that he'll let me. Okay, sometimes in some ways not. For it against my, over it against myself, which means that I'm trying to meet his needs, even if it means my needs are not being met. Does that make sense? Okay. All right. Somebody else. A couple more. Intentionality. All right. What do you mean by that? Yeah, being intentional, right? I have tons of things I can do, but I'm going to spend time with you. Absolutely. All right, a couple more. Like being present, like not just hanging out with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, being present, like you matter. <laughs> All right, one more. Okay, being unashamed. Yeah, like I don't care who knows, right, that I'm associating with you. I don't care who knows that I'm for you over and against myself. All right, that's great. What good answers? Man, I need some stickers to give you guys. I'm, I'm ashamed now. You guys are pretty brutal with the, uh, with the board work. I'm sorry. Uh, if you didn't know this, if you misspell anything or kind of don't use correct grammar, they're just like, Argh. I appreciate that. Unashamed for those of you that are, that are trying to copy. Okay, so then, uh, so these are, these are great uh, ways to tell, to be convinced. What if you were convinced? Why does it matter? Why does it matter to Paul that he says, I am convinced, right? Then he makes this list that there's none of these things can separate me from God's love. Because that is your challenge. Because as you feel unloved, you're saying, well, my, the things that I do, right, the things that make people love me, whether it's being nice or having good grades, right, or being super friendly or whatever the thing is that you think is the thing that draws people to you or gives you worth, if you don't have that, right, that's when you feel unloved, right? But if you are convinced that someone loves you, what does that matter? What would that matter to you?
That's right. It does. Anybody else? I've just recently learned this, and if I say this is one of those like old people using kind of more current lingo. I, I don't think it's real current, but I'm gonna say it and just be embarrassed for me. This this idea of a try hard, <laughs> right? Is that is that right? You're like yes, okay, that's the thing. Okay. They were like Rob. That's not that's not a anyway. So. So from what Meg is saying, so a lot of times I think that, that if we are trying to actually please God, oftentimes we're not. But if we're trying to please God, a lot of times we come off as a tryhard, right? That we're just like, hey, hey, see this thing, I'm, I, this five bucks, God, did you see that? I actually gave money to somebody that asked for it. Did you see anybody see? I, I'm reading my Bible. Anybody I don't want, I'm not just doing this for myself. You know, anybody notice? Let me take a selfie with it, maybe the corner will get in the picture so that somebody will know. But so often, right, we're doing that to what? Exactly. To convince ourselves. I think that's well put. So somebody else, what would it, what would it, what else would it matter if you were convinced? Maybe allowing you just to be more authentic. Yeah, yeah that's good. Uh, identity would be uh, would be kind of anchored in Christ, from what Meg said. Uh, we'd be more authentic because we wouldn't we wouldn't be uh, yeah trying so hard for someone to make somebody like us. Isn't that the worst? <laughs> have you had? Have anybody else had somebody like try to get you to like them? I mean, it's so off-putting. You're like, yeah, no, that's, that's, you're making it worse. <laughs> Somebody else, maybe one more. What, what would it matter if you were convinced? Okay. Yeah. Man, you guys are putting some good answers today. That's a child. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so, uh, so one more thing I want you to talk to each other. When do you guys feel most loved? This isn't one of those love language things, but that's okay. You, you can have a love language. There's nothing wrong with it. But when do you feel most loved? Okay, so talk about amongst yourselves and, and here, because I'm, I'm curious how much the things are the same. For you guys, what makes you feel most loved? All right. What makes you feel most loved, Kara? Yeah, somebody that you would like to spend time with. This verse is like something like, "Can you be unpresent for me?" Right, they were just here. I'm just really enjoying spending time with you. Okay. All right, keep them coming. Yes, sir. Um, like when I make a mistake. Yeah. And they forgive me and so on. How about that? Huh? How about that? 
All right, keep them coming. I write slow, but I can, I can try to keep up. Yeah. Yeah. Care and follow up. I care, I ask, and I followed up. I was, I was sincere. Okay? Maybe two more. Yeah. 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 So just, hey, I'm consistent. How are you doing? Great. Awesome. You know, how are you doing? I'm not great. Okay, let's, <laughs> like I'm still here. Yeah. So I'm going to write consistently for you. All right, one more. Say again. Okay. So we'll call that reciprocal. I can't spell it, but I can say it. Wait, what did you say? Yeah. Reciprocal. Renee, don't judge me. All right. Porter. When they put your trust in to you, so like trust you with like yeah. that's on their heart or yeah, yeah. you with their life. Okay. So say they open up. Patient like like it was not this morning with uh yeah. I see what you're doing there. We had a uh, we had a conversation this morning about Renee's a distaste for roaches. And we had a, anyway, it could have gone better for my end. <laughs> Please forgive me. Will you still be my wife? <laughs> so what I want you guys to know uh, or, or recognize or be aware of is like, you, you know what it, what it means to, to be loved and to give love. That's not your problem. Okay? <laughs> you understand? Okay? What is our problem? Is our problem that, uh, our, I think what our problem is, is that as we view God, we don't view him as this type of person. Why is that? Why do we have trouble? Sometimes I feel like, I, feel, I, I, I know that it's not a feeling, it's knowing, right? Being convinced of from past and present action. This is what it means. So, but why do we vacillate being convinced that God loves us? Vacillate? That's oscillate. <laughs> Just change, kind of flip-flop, you know, between two things. I think that's I think that is exactly right. Okay.
There are certain things that people have done for you in your life that you will never question how much they love you. Right? 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 This is what Jesus has done for us. You understand? That's not a small thing, right? It's the biggest thing ever. God came out of heaven, (laughs) incarnated himself, lived with us. We are a mess, okay? (laughs) You want me to go down there and hang out with them? He's like, yes. That is hard for us. We are selfish. I don't know about you. I am the most selfish person that ever lived. Because I know (laughs) how much I love myself and my comfort. How much I don't want, right, to put myself out there. And yet this is the opposite of what Jesus did for us. And so for us to not kind of be overly reliant on, yes, I get that, but like, but we have a heart... we have too easily gotten over the cross as it relates to God's love for us. I want to uh, tell, uh, take us to a, a quick verse earlier in Romans. It's uh, Romans 5, 6, and 11. And I apologize, I don't have it on the board, but look at, look at your Bible. As if you have a paper Bible or if you have, a, um, if you have it just on your phone, I'm going to enc- encourage you to highlight these verses if it's in your phone. And come back to it if it's in your Bible. Uh, if you're not a writer in your Bible, I really would encourage you to like, circle some of these words. Okay? So I'm going to start uh, verse 6 of Romans 5. And so this is for us to really see God's love for us. This is kind of it poured out. In the, if you're going to, if you're gonna uh, take uh, John 3.16 and kind of get specific about it, this is this, ver- this passage. Okay? So Paul says that for while we were still helpless, circle that or highlight, or highlight that, while we were still helpless, at the right time, God, uh, Christ died for the ungodly. Now think about how hard a time we have forgiven the person in front of us, right, if they're taking too long paying for their drink at Starbucks. Okay? <laughs> And Jesus is not, um, and we can't think about this, right, as something that was like super easy to do, right, or not that big a deal, even though because we've just heard it so many times, we're like, we can't get over what a big deal this was. I want you to think about, put in your own shoes, what, what would be a big deal for you to do this? For while we were still helpless, helpless means there's, there's nothing that we can do for the person. There's nothing that we can do to help ourselves. We are utterly helpless. Think about a baby in a crib. If they need something and they don't get it, there's nobody. They can't do anything. Okay? While we were still helpless and at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. The helpless and there's no reason to do so. Verse 7. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, saying, hey, if there's a good guy... It'll find very few people that will die even for a good guy or gal, right? Hardly anyone would even do that. Though perhaps for a good man, someone would dare to die. But verse 8, but God demonstrates his own love towards us. This is speaking to Madison's point, right? It doesn't matter what we say, right? It matters what we do. 
that he demonstrated his own love towards us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Think about all the people that have made you mad this week. Professors, friends, parents, people in line, people driving next to you, in front of you, or behind you. All right, I've got a lot to be angry about. And think about if, um, could you be for them in that instant? So it's not just being okay with being put upon, okay? It's not just okay with being cut off in traffic, that's fine. Right, dying for an enemy, right, is doing the opposite of what they're doing to you. You don't do that to someone that you don't love. Do you understand? It's not feelings. It's something you literally just decide to do. It is a decision. God's not asking us to work up feelings for one another. Okay? God's not asking Jesus to work up feelings for the world. He's saying... Past tense, present tense, future tense, that he so loved you that he gave himself for you. He doesn't need to do anything else for you for the rest of your life. You should be convinced by that and that alone. But he says, I've given you my Holy Spirit, I've given you my word, and I've given you my people. The problem is not that we need more proof. The problem is that we're not looking at the proof. We're not remembering as, as the person that you're convinced that loves you as they do something. What do you do typically to help you remember to remain convinced that they love you? What do you do? Let's say you're convinced that your dad loves you and he does something and makes you feel unloved. How do you remain in his love? How do you remain convinced? What do you do? That's right. And so how we do this with God is we see, well, if I'm not comfortable, God must not love me because that's how I receive love. And so every time we feel uncomfortable or we're going through something and our, our, our desire and our, uh, our default, right, is to just assume God loves us, we've got to remember, No. No. Verse 9. Much more than having been justified by his blood, he shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. Verse 10. This is in Romans 5. For while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. Much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Wait, wait, wait. And not only this, but we exult in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received the reconciliation. So saying not only, right, has he done something that he will not take back and cannot take back, and that is to convince you that you are loved, right? There's this action that he cannot and will not take back. 
And he says, if that if that doesn't convince us, right, that, that we can be reconciled, it's not like, hey, I'm paying a price so that you can cross over one border to the next. He's paying a price so that now that you can be with him fully. This is even a, a bigger thing. It actually is easier for me to see somebody helpless and see somebody struggling and then give them some money, right, so they can get some food or to remove an impediment so they can get going their own way because I don't have to do anything about it. God died for you so that you could bug him. So that he would have to put up with you for the rest of eternity. You're like, oh, okay. That's a different kind of love, isn't it? A love that I have to, I'm deciding to put up with. Do you understand that? Questions about that? That, that, is, a, that is really important. So here, let's close this thing out. The way that God loves you is concrete. It's the cross. That's the final proof, right, that God loves us. Words are no substitute for deeds. We need to know intention, but words should never be sufficient. We need proof. We need good proof. Uh, the last thing I want to talk about is this kind of this last phrase here back in the original eight verse, where it says that nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ. Now I want you to, um, uh, Matthew 19 is a verse about marriage. Matthew 19, verse 6, and it says this, So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. When you think about, so often we, f- we forget, right, that as the church is God's betrothed, right, that we are, uh, that we are engaged to Christ. And in Revelation 19, it talks about the, the wedding of the Lamb. And it's his Lamb, Jesus, and his bride, the church, right? Being united forever. And the language here, right, that we want to see God's heart is God's heart is to never be separate from you. You understand this? That as you have come to him in faith, right, that as you are, uh, as you are covenantally, right, uh, engaged with him, This is his heart. What therefore God has joined together, right? He went and did something so that you can be reconciled to him. That's the cross. I've done that thing so that you can be reconciled to me. What I have joined together, let no one separate. Don't you, some of you that have a heart, you go to a wedding, how beautiful that is, that that two people want to be together. That's, that's pretty, but then you also have seen marriage, right? They got the perfect husband versus me, right? The jerk, this, this, you know, whining about the roaches and being scared of the roaches. God, the non-jerk, right? Saying, I don't care what you do. 
I don't care how you feel, I never want to be separate from you. And so the issue is not mine. And so what he's trying to do is help us remember, right, as the faithful husband, that bride, I love you. I have loved you. I love you right now. I will keep on loving you. But he doesn't need, he shouldn't need to continue to convince us. We need to convince ourselves of what's right and what's true. Amen? So here's where, where I want to leave you and encourage you is that then is the work. Is to get past your feelings, right? Because that is what you would do with a regular person, would it not be? As you're in a dating relationship? Constantly needing the affirmation. <laughs> like at what point do we just, aren't we just comfortable in this relationship? Right? Anybody ever been there? It's real nice. If you haven't been, it's real nice. <laughs> Last quote. This is from Leon Morris. Think, speaking of that uh, verse, he said, he does not say will separate, but will, we, but will be able to. Nothing will be able to. He's like, come on. Nothing right, is going to be able to separate my bride from me. I love her. I love him that much. He is talking about power. And no created being is powerful alongside the creator. The love of God is, of course, God's love for us and not ours for him. And this love is explained in Christ Jesus our Lord. We cannot know the love of God apart from Christ. The cross and only the cross shows what's re what real divine love is. And it's in this piece, as we struggle to know that and to do that, I want to let you off the hook. You're not supposed to be able to know how to love somebody unless you understand God's love for you first. And so that's your homework. And that's my homework. Right? Is to own God's love for me, and then I can truly be able to Start showing love for others the way they need to be loved. Consistently, over and against myself, intentionally, presently, unashamed, so that they can be authentic. They can focus on loving others better. Being present, forgiven, care, follow-up, reciprocal. Lots of good stuff there. Any questions or closing thoughts? And one of them could be, man, I needed to remember how much God loves me. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we all struggle the same way to be convinced. Lord, I think it's uh, apt that we are coming into a season, Father, where it is the norm to give each other gifts. That no other time in uh, our calendar is it okay to be overly nice to somebody and they not freak out about it. 
Father, and so might we practice remembering how kind and how generous, how sacrificial, how merciful, how loving you have been to us. And Lord, as we concentrate on that, Lord, as we work through that, as we own that, Father, would that roll downhill like a mighty stream. Lord, help us remember how much we have been loved, are loved, and will be loved in you. Lord, we thank you for being so overt and seeking to convince us how much we are loved and for helping us learn what then that means. We love you, Father, and we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.